Welcome to the Moms for Wellness podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV. This is a podcast for moms who are passionate about being healthy and who are leading their kids to do the same. Welcome back to the podcast, Mama. Well, today we are talking about four ways to improve your child's mental health. There has been so much emphasis and so much talk about our mental health as a society and specifically that of the mental health of our children. And so I thought it would be fitting to just talk about that and go over some things that would be helpful for us as moms to be able to do for our children to help them in this area. So I'm going to give you four ways to improve your child's mental health today. So number one is set an example of positivity. So watch your mouth. (laughs) You set the tone as the parent. They can either be stressed out or set at ease based on the energy that we emit as parents. And yes, I know this is frightening to hear because the burden, just thinking of the reality of the burden that we bear as parents, but it is true. We set the tone. The way that we interact with them, the way that we talk to them, the tone that we use, all of it matters. Now, Don't hear me wrong though. What I'm not saying is that we don't have a way that, you know, we talk to them in no uncertain terms, right? We, it's not that we don't do our parenting thing. We definitely do. I'm not talking about that. They definitely need to be encouraged to do the right thing, to take out the trash, to clean their room, to hold the door for others. You get the idea, all the normal parenting things that we do. What I am saying is the overall tone that we use when we speak, when we speak in the house, when we speak in the car, when we speak to them, when we're out and about, that is what I'm talking about because they can feel that they can pick up on that. They internalize that and then they reenact that to others. So we need to be very careful about what we are putting out there, what they in turn are picking up and then they are also putting out there and putting out towards their friends and their siblings. So just be aware of the tone and the message that you are sending and the words that you are using around your children. That's number one. Number two is check in with them. So have set times to be sure to check in with them. This could be any time that works out for you. It could be at bedtime. It could be in the morning waking them up. It could be at meals. It could be in the car driving them to or from events because I know you are doing that. The time or place doesn't matter, but the fact that you are doing it does and consistently. It could even be writing in a journal back and forth, especially if they are better at communicating via written text and not verbally. Maybe that's more awkward for some kids. And so just have a journal and just write back and forth in that. And that's a great way to communicate as well. I remember when that was suggested. um, And so I I just think that's a, a really great idea. So just having the ability as a parent to be able to put your finger on the pulse. So did they have a rough day? Is something bothering them? Do they have that space to share what's on their mind? Are they stressed? Are they happy? Are they bothered by something? These types of things help you know what your child is going through when you have a regular way of communicating with them. And this is one of the reasons why family dinner 
is so important. And I don't know if you've heard stats on the importance of family dinner, but this is why, because it gives you an opportunity to check in with them. It gives you the opportunity to connect with them, for them to share what's going on in their life, to communicate with their family, with all of the family. Um, so I do want to share some stats on the importance of dinner to help you understand this concept. So as of September 2022, 91% of parents surveyed noticed their family was less stressed when they shared family meals together. So we're talking about that, right? The stress and the mental anguish that is on our children. So simply, simply having family dinner together. Um, and if you're not watching, I put simply in air quotes because like it's not a simple thing to manage the feat of having family dinner together. I know that, but I want to impress upon you the importance of it. Um, so just having that less stress in your children, in your family. And then according to Ann Fischel, who is the executive director of the Family Dinner Project, 80% of teenagers say that family dinner is the time of the day that they're most likely to talk to their parents. So take up and take a, you know, pick up on that clue there. Okay. And then also there have been more than 20 years of dozens of studies that document that family dinners are great for the body, the physical health, the brains and academic performance, and the spirit or the mental health. And in terms of nutrition, we're talking about cardiovascular health is better in teens. There's a lower fat and sugar and salt in home-cooked meals. Even if you don't try that hard, there's more fruit and there's more fiber and there's more vegetables and there's more protein in home-cooked meals and lower calories. So kids who grow up having family dinners when they're on their own tend to eat more healthily and to have lower rates of obesity. Man, if you have been listening to any of the episodes that we've done, that covers a ton of topics that we have talked about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to past episodes. But we hit on a lot, if not all, of those things. So look what you can be taking care of and having such a positive impact on besides your child's mental health, their overall health by having family dinners. And then the mental health benefits are just as incredible. Regular family dinners are associated with better academic performance, higher self-esteem, greater sense of resilience, lower risk of substance abuse, lower risk of teen pregnancy, lower risk of depression, lower likelihood of developing eating disorders, lower rates of obesity, better cardiovascular health in teens, bigger vocabulary in preschoolers, healthier eating patterns as young adults. So if that isn't if that isn't enough to get you to encourage you to have family dinners, I'm not quite sure what will be. So the point is have family dinners, have a time to check in with them. So that is number two. Number three way of helping our child's mental health is go on activity dates with them. So these are not to be underestimated and they don't have to cost any money. The point is to spend time, special time, time set aside allotted just for the two of you to send the message that they matter, that you care, that you prioritize time with them. Now, I know what you're saying to me, but I don't have the time. And I'm saying, yes, you do. 
This doesn't need to be all the time or even a set frequency. Just start with one for each kid and see how long that takes you to accomplish. It could take you a year <laughs> to get through just to have, even if you have two kids, <laughs> because I know, I know it can be difficult, but it's not impossible. And then just start looking for the next time that you can plan an event with one of your kiddos. So let me give you some ideas and just think about the things and just ask your kid actually, but think about the things that they are excited about doing um, and, and the interests that they have. So here's some ideas. Make a picnic and eat in the backyard or at a park. Set up the tent. Um, this is an activity that my husband does with the kids is setting up a tent in the backyard in the summertime and spending the night out there. Um, so you don't even have to be going to a park because that's a lot more effort, but just even in the backyard can be a fun enough experience. Go on a walk together. Go on a bike ride together. Go on a hike together. Walk down to the local school and play on the playground together. And if you do want to spend a little money, you can do other things like go to get ice cream together. Go grab takeout and pick your favorite spot to eat. Go roller skating. Go to a play or a musical together. It doesn't really matter what the activity is. The point is that it's not what you're doing. It's just that you are just doing something as just the two of you. No one else no other siblings, no one else to steal the show from them. It sends a clear message to them that they are worth your time, that they matter. And it gives more space for them to share what's on their mind. So that's number three. Number four is severely limit or cut off their access to social media. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know I'm super unpopular for saying that. If you are still, I know if you're watching, if you're still even with me, thank you for continuing to listen and not click off. But it's just a fact. There is plenty of research to show the devastating effect that social media is having on our youth. Yes, giving them a good home base and a safe space to share what is on their mind is important, but also important is monitoring what we are feeding the eyes and minds of our children. What you see, what you hear, what you are exposed to affects you. It's a fact. So what are you feeding your child's mind, your child's heart, your child's soul? It reminds me of the children's song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. So much of that is true. So I know, I know you're like, I don't, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. So let's look at the studies. Okay. Let's look at the stats. So according to the American Psychological Association, there's an article written that um, was interviewing um, the APA chief science officer, Mitch Princeton, PhD. And he was talking about that at puberty, he said, children begin to crave social rewards, such as visibility, attention, and positive feedback from peers. So in contrast, brain regions involved in our ability to inhibit our behavior and resist temptations, for example, the prefrontal cortex, do not fully develop until later in adulthood. So like 10 to 15 years later. So in other words, when it comes to youth cravings for social attention, they are all, all gas to the pedal and no break. So we know this, right? The prefrontal cortex is right here, this part of our brain, and it doesn't fully develop until we're 25. My kids know this, this comes up in conversation all the time because when they do something, 
stupid something kid wise it's like well yeah because your brain doesn't develop all the way till you're 25 like why why is insurance for teenagers so much higher than it is as you get to be an adult because those decision making abilities are a lot harder when you're younger because your brain isn't fully developed so social media also heightens the risk for negative peer influence among adolescents as well as addictive social media use and stress um, that he added the um the chief scientist of the science officer mitch Prinstein, um, was saying um that citing research showing that many young people use social media more than they intend to and that they have difficulty stopping in its use and this is what it is doing Time spent on social social media is literally reshaping the size and shape of their brains. So listen to this, quote, youth's biological vulnerability to technology and social media and their resulting frequent use of these platforms also has the potential to alter youth's neural development since our brains develop in response to the environment we live in, he said. Recent studies have revealed that technology and social media use is associated with changes in structural brain development, for example, changing the size and physical characteristics of the brain. Okay, so there's been research on this. I know there will be more research coming out showing these things. Okay, so he continues on, quote, research suggests that insufficient sleep is associated with poor school performance, difficulties with attention, stress regulation, which is what we're talking about, and increased risk for automobile accidents, he said. Neuroscientific research has demonstrated that inconsistent sleep schedules are associated with changes in structural brain development in adolescent years. In other words, use preoccupation with technology and social media may deleteriously affect the size of their brains, end quote. So, that's the research, my friends, and I have no doubt that more and more research is going to be coming out because the fact is that we are living in this experiment. So as a parent, be aware of this. Be aware of the changes that are happening. Those are changes that you can't even physically see but are actually going on. And then their behavior comes from that, from the things that they are being fed online, the things that they are seeing, the things that are affecting them. So, I mean, just think about your own life. Like when you are around really positive people, you have a more positive outlook on life. When you're around people that are always being negative and saying negative things and using negative phrases and words and, and listening to negative songs, then that definitely affects you. So think about how much more so for our children being in those kinds of environments. So environment that they're in, the things that they are listening to, the things that they are seeing, the things that are feeding their minds and their hearts and their brains are having a major effect on them. So take charge as the parent to be aware of this and make decisions that are going to help your children in the long run and that will help their mental health as well. So there are four things that you can do as a parent to improve your child's mental health. Give them a secure home, give them a firm foundation, love on them, give them a safe space to share what's on their mind and help their brains develop fully by curbing their social media intake. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV or joining me on the Moms for Wellness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Moms for Wellness podcast and leave a five-star rating or review. It really is helpful and we would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.